Thank you for listening, downloading, sharing, subscribing, commenting, donating, and praying for us. And for going to BrotherLance.com to get the free PDF of this teaching. Go and make disciples of all nations, Jew or Gentile, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things I have commanded you. Behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. So I wrote, this is a direct command from Jesus to not obey is to fall into sin and rebellion. Without repentance, then you have no hope of salvation. You cannot repent of this sin without sharing the gospel. If you are not obeying Jesus by sharing the gospel, you are in sin. That's it. Now we all have different ways, different means, different opportunities. Right? But we all have to be in our lane doing our things to spread the gospel. You cannot repent of this sin unless you start sharing the gospel again. The confession of Jesus is a lifelong confession. Confessed once to accept salvation and then perpetually confessed to help others do the same. Failure on either part is a failure upon your calling and will put your salvation in deep jeopardy. That there's the sin of omission, omitting Jesus from your life, omitting Jesus from your speech and your conduct, omitting your omitting Jesus, omitting, removing, keeping out, hiding, putting away from your relationships. That is a denial. You are denying Jesus if you're hiding him in your walk with anybody else, your business, your work. That doesn't mean you have to go running around yelling Jesus every three seconds. But at some point, the people you associate need to know that you're a Christian, right? Right? We can't confess Jesus when we're 11 and live 80 more years and not have anything to do with him and expect ourselves to be saved. And neither can we sit there and never share Jesus for that amount of time and expect salvation. Because that is a sin of omission. You're omitting Jesus out of your life. You're acting like, well, this is a personal thing. I'm going to put Jesus in my pocket. It's just for me. But that is not the life of a Christian, right? It says we cannot ignore people's salvation status as and say we love them. To ignore a person's salvation is to hate that individual. It is not love to ignore where people are going for eternity. Either they're going to go to hell and burn up and cease to exist, or they're going to be with God, Right? So we cannot say, I love my neighbor, I love my coworker, I love my boss, I love my children, I love my uncles, I love anybody, if we're not trying to save their souls. Now there's different tactics, there's different techniques, but it always has to be the primary goal. Our motivation is to bring salvation to these people, to make a connection to a, a, a lost child, to a godly father that wants to love them enough to convict me that my confession of Jesus isn't just a one and done. That salvation is a perpetual confession before God and man for my entire life without fail every day of my life always being ready. Dear Father, we praise you. We thank you so much for being with us. Thank you for uh, the weather. And uh, it's been dangerous for some, Father, but we do need the water. And so we praise you for that. And thank you for keeping us and our group safe and watching out for us and Cody and the snow and us and rain and tornadoes in parts of Oklahoma and then up where Lorraine was too and keeping her safe. So we praise you and we thank you for that. Give us the Holy Spirit, Father, God is truth. Help us understand, apply it to hearts, our minds. Help us understand the necessity to share the gospel to ensure salvation for 
us and other people. And we just praise you and we love you very much. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Okay. So, um, the past couple weeks we did the Bible studies. This is like 21. So we did all the studies leading up to like explaining what Babylon is, things to look for, how to identify. And now we've kind of pivoted and we're kind of talking about, okay, now that we are leaving Babylon, we've done like the heart of God, you know, and that last one, uh, the shaking kind of preparing us to what is expected to come. And then, and this one is about sharing the gospels. Cause so when we're leaving Babylon, we're just not like running out of a burning building, forgetting everyone else and only can be consumed with our own salvation and walk. Like that's not the Christian path. The Christian path is to care for others, you know, and stuff. So, so in this Bible study, we're kind of going into that route of sharing the gospel. So top of the page says, you must share the gospel to be saved. And I put defeat the sin of omission. And I got a quote here. Every Christian is either a missionary or an imposter. And that's by Charles Spurgeon. And I love that quote. So let me read what I wrote. It says, accepting Jesus and making a confession of faith is the starting line, not the finish line. The finish line, tall tale, told by the silver-tongued devil, is meant to disarm the Christian. Much like being hired onto a company, the job has just begun. Salvation is a free gift from God. You don't deserve it. Uh, uh, don't deserve to have it. Your application accepted. You had no qualifications to be part of the family of God, yet be prepared for on-the-job training. He is not finished with you yet, as you have an enduring calling upon your life. The confession of Jesus is a lifelong confession, confessed once to accept salvation and then perpetually confessed to help others do the same. Failure on either part is a failure upon your calling and will put your salvation in deep jeopardy, which we're going to get into. Especially this kind of flies in the face of once saved, always saved, easy believism that like one and done. Right. And so uh, we're going to have more Bible studies kind of backing this up. But let's go ahead and read Matthew 5, 13 through 16. It says, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt has lost its flavor, what will it be salted? It is then good for nothing but to cast out and trodden under the feet of men. You are the light of the world. A city located on a hill can't be hidden. Neither do you light a lamp and put it on under a measuring basket, but on a stand, and it shines to all who are in the house. Even so, let your light shine before all men, that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Now, I wrote, what good is your light if it does not shine? What good is your salt if it does not season? Talk about him. Share him. His Name needs to be on your lips. I'll set forth in this study to prove that you cannot receive salvation without an open and constant confession of your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Okay, now that might be a little controversial to some, but bear with me and I'll prove it. So let's go. First starters. First Peter 3.15. Be sanct uh, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and always be ready to give an answer to everyone who asks you a reason concerning the hope that is in you with humility and fear. So we need to always be ready, right? So that does that mean a Christian ever takes a day off? No. Right. We're always on. Okay. We're always on the job. We're always looking for opportunities. And we're always about our father's business to share the gospel with people. Now, what we have here is like I read an example once about a, a, a pastor and his wife and they went on vacation to a, a Muslim country. Right. And the woman, the wife of the pastor started talking to a lady about God and Jesus. And the husband is like, no, no, it's illegal here. We didn't come here for that. We're here to have vacation. Well, they went back out of the car and they had to talk. 
And the wife convinced the husband, that is wrong. And so they went back into the store and started sharing the gospel with some people that have never really heard the gospel. Mm -hmm. And that is it. We do not ever have a day off. As inconvenient as that can be at times, right? And, uh, you know, Lauren put, yes, amen, always be ready, right? And so we're always in gear, right? Okay, so 2 Timothy 4, 1 through 2. says, I command you there before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word, be urgent in season. So when it's convenient, <laughs> out of season, when it's not convenient, Reprove, rebuke, and exhort. That means do the hard things. Nobody wants to reprove, rebuke, and exhort. You don't make friends by telling people they're wrong. With all patience and teaching, right? And so we have to be on guard and uh, be ready for what we're doing in our walk with God, right? So it's a sad thing. Like today, I felt like when I had picked up my mail that God wanted me to give this lady a postcard and I almost talked myself out of it because I was in a hurry. I had a plan. I wasn't being ready in season and out of season. I was in a hurry, right? But finally, I went over and gave her the postcard and opened the door for her and all these things to try to be nice and kind to her, right? And so that's what we're talking about. We always have to be ready. So let's look at the top of page two, confession. It says, let us begin by seeing what the Bible has to say about making a confession of faith and belief in Jesus, right? So this is what we're talking about, a perpetual confession. So it says, confess openly. Romans 10, 9, that if you will confess with your mouth, that means it's not just a quiet thing, that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved, right? Now, there's a time that you might have to confess quietly in your soul and spirit, but eventually it's going to have to come out the mouth, right? You're going to have to exercise the mouth gate and let it be known. Next one, maintain your confession. Hebrews 4.14, having then a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold tightly to our confession. That's just not poetic prettiness there. So what does that mean? That means <clears throat> what we say we believe, what we confess with our mouth, what we have shared with others, others, we have to keep doing that, right? And so let's look at the next one. It says Hebrews 10, 21 through 23. And having a great priest over God's house, let us draw near with a true heart and fullness of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and having our body washed with pure water, let us Hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful. So what do you have? Confess with your mouth, hold tightly our confession, and hold, hold fast the confession, right? So what does that mean? That means it's an active, ongoing, enduring process in our life. That's something we always do and always have before us, right? And so let's look at another next one. Obey your confession daily. 2 Corinthians 9, 12 through 13. Because the service of this ministry is not only providing for the needs of the saints, but it is also overflowing with many thanks to God. Through the evidence of this service, they will glorify God because of your obedience to your confession and the gospel of Christ and the generosity of your sharing with them and with everyone. So there's an obedience of the confession, right? So there's holding fast the confession, hold tight the confession, confess openly and obey that confession. You're, you've stuck that it has infected your life and how you go about walking it, right? So what does it say? If you're holding obedient to your confession, that means everything in your life is being determined by that confession. Right. You're not getting a split personality where there's Christian Lance and then there's Monday Lance, you know, Sunday Christians, you know, they say, you know, 
do on Monday what you're pinned on Sunday. You know, that mentality. There's not a, a duality thing, right? Where you could be a secret Christian in the, in the work world and in your, uh, you know, sports club and all these other things. And nobody knows you're a Christian, you know? So the best way I thought of this, while well, I should give God glory, the best way he helped me to think of this is denial. So let's read what we wrote. So we're going to talk about denial for a minute, and then we're going to get back to confession. It says, the premise of this study is, can you be saved without sharing the gospel? Focusing on the confession of your faith. So how do we come to a conclusion on this matter? It says, I submit that we first take a look at the other extreme, denial, right? And so we read in Matthew, it's Matthew 10, 32 through 33. It says, everyone, therefore, who confesses me before men, right? That's through the mouth. We talked about that earlier. People know it's not a secret private thing. Him I will also confess before my father is who in heaven. Also not a secret private thing. I go, I know Jesus in the world and Jesus goes to God. I know Lance, right? So, verse 33, but whoever denies me before men, him I will also deny before my Father who is in heaven. Right? So, we're going to talk about this. We talked about at the top that there's the sin of omission, omitting Jesus from your life, omitting Jesus from your speech and your conduct, omitting, your, omitting Jesus, omitting, removing, keeping out, hiding, putting away from your relationships. That is a denial. You are denying Jesus if you're hiding him in your walk with anybody else, your business, your work. That doesn't mean you have to go running around yelling Jesus every three seconds. But at some point, the people you associate need to know that you're a Christian, right? <clears throat> and if they don't, this is wrong. Okay, so again, we read in 2 Timothy, uh, 2 Timothy 2, 10 through 12. Therefore, I endure in all things for the chosen one's sakes that they also may obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. This is saying is trustworthy for we uh, died with him. We also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us. And that's the sin of omission. Many Christians... Practice the sin of omission, omitting Jesus, hiding Jesus, right? And so here we have this denial, all right? So I wrote, this is obviously not a one-time denial and you're done, as we've seen in the case of Peter's denial, right? So we're going to look at Peter's denial at the top of page three <clears throat> and get a good idea. We're going to use the example of denial, and confession. We're right now we're looking at denial. And we're going to use denial to prove the difference between an open confession and a constant confession. Okay? So here we go, top of page three, Mark 14, 29 through 30. Jesus says, But Peter said to him, Although I will be offended, yet I will not. And Jesus said to him, Most certainly I tell you that to, that you today, even this night, before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. Right? So Jesus is like, listen, dude. You're bold, you're you're kind of brash, you, you're braggadocious a little here, but you're going to deny me, right? And Peter's like, oh, I'm not going to deny you, right? And so here's the deed. Then Peter does the deed, Mark 14, 67 through 72. And see, seeing Peter warming himself, she looked at him and said, you are alone with the Nazarene Jesus, but he denied, right? At saying, I neither know nor understand what you are saying. He went out on the porch and the rooster crowed. Then the maid saw him and he began to tell those who stood by him, this is one of them. But again, he denied, right? That's two denials. I mean, this, he's landed on thick. 
After a while, a little while again, those who stood by said to Peter, you truly are one of them, for you are a Galilean, and your speech shows it. But he began to curse. He was dropping F-bombs and S-bombs and B-bombs. He was really trying to prove that he does not know Jesus. So, I mean, this is like extra effort denial, right? Because, you know, when you're like, you're, you're, you know, I won't say what I was about to say. When you're younger and you're trying to impress your friends and you decide to cuss, Right. And you think it makes it sound more important and forceful. This is what Peter's doing. So he began to curse and to swear. I don't know this blankety blank, blank, blank man of whom you speak. That's what he's the, the implication is. Right. So verse 72, the rooster crowed the second time. Peter, uh, remember that how Jesus said before the rooster crows twice, you'll deny him three times. But when he uh, when he thought about it, then he wept. Right. And so Jesus is denied. Right. And so what do we read in those verses that if you deny me before men, I will deny you before God. And in, in Timothy, it's restated. If we deny him before men, he'll, de you know, or deny him, he'll deny us. Right. So Peter, whoo, he went deep. Right. He did the bad thing. OK, so if this was a one and done denial, then Peter would be lost forever. Yet here we find Jesus restoring Peter, okay? And I put in a bunch of Greek here because the, the conversation that Jesus has with Peter is very, very interesting, okay? So John 21, 15 through 17, it said, Then when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, Do you love, agapoe, I think it is, me? More than these do, right? So it's a different word because Jesus uses different words. Paul, uh, Peter uses different words for love. So this agape or agape love, however you want to pronounce it, right? And I, real quick, before we go, I'm going to skip down at the bottom. If you look at down there, it says G25. It says perhaps from whatever to love in a social or moral sense, right? So that agape love, agape love means to love in a, a, a social or moral sense, right? And so Jesus asked, Peter, do you love me in a social or in a moral sense, right? And so the way he rebuttals Jesus and answers back is the next one, which is G5368 in your concordance, and I'll read that. It says, to be a friend, to be fond of, that is, having affection for denoting a personal attachment as a matter of sentiment or feeling. It says, while G25, the one that Jesus uses, is wider, embracing especially the judgment and deliberate asset of the will as a matter of principle, duty, and propriety. So, Jesus asked, you love me in a social moral sense? And then Peter's going to answer and reply, I love you as a friend, as a brother. We're close. Right? Okay, so I'm going to read it. And so Jesus says, do you love me more than these? Right? Do you love me more? Right? And so he replied, yes, Lord. You know, I, I dearly love, filio you, that you are my friend. I love you. I love you. Right? And so Jesus told him, feed my, this is kicker, feed my lambs. At this point, I have a feeling, and I'm not there, and this is me just surmising. I have a feeling that Jesus looked to the disciples. Feed my lambs. Because here in a minute, he uses a different word for that, right? And so, verse 16, Jesus said a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love? Do you agape me? He replied, yes, Lord. You know, dearly, I, I filio you. I, I, you're my buddy. I, I, I love you more than just in a, a social sense. Like, I love my neighbor. Right. And so Jesus told him, shepherd my sheep. Right. This is getting wider. So for I'm seeing as feed, feed the disciples. Now he's saying shepherd the church. Right. And so verse 17, Jesus said a third time, Simon, son of John, do you filio me? So at first it was agapio. Now it's filio. 
right? So Jesus was like, now I'm going to ask you, do you really love me as a friend? Are we close? Peter was distressed that Jesus asked him a third time because he related it back to the three denials. Do you love me? And said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I filio you, right? So Jesus went from agape to filio. Peter stayed on filio saying, "This I don't love you just in, as you're my neighbor. I love you as you're my best buddy. I, I want to hug you. And Jesus graduates up into that. And then he said, Jesus replied, said, feed my sheep. So Jesus went from filio to agape, from lambs to sheep, and Peter was just stuck on, no, I I am sorry. He had repentance in his heart. He did not want to give it up. He's like, you can ask me all day, Jesus, how if I love you as a neighbor, I love you more than a neighbor. I love you. I love you. Right? And so it's a very intriguing conversation they had. Right? And so I put, please do note that Jesus says that in order for Peter to love him as he says he does, he must feed the sheep or feed the lambs. So how does Jesus want to be showed love? By sharing the gospel, taking care of the flock. Outward, right? Outward. Okay? So let's look at the top of page four after that very intriguing discussion. So top of page four. Then Jesus, who told Peter to feed the sheep, makes Peter a sheep of the fold of faith once more by telling him to follow the true shepherd. So in John 21, 19, it says, Now Jesus said this to indicate clearly by what kind of death Peter was going to glorify him, uh, glorify God with. And after he said this, Jesus told Peter, follow me. Don't look past that. We just got done talking about sheep and feeding sheep, and we know that Jesus is the good shepherd. That was an invitation from Jesus to come back. Follow me. I'm the shepherd. Follow me. Be a sheep again. He's Because Peter was crushed by his denial. But Peter was trying to make it right by confessing his love. And Jesus called him out three times so he can undo what he did, right? And so, so with this example of denial of Jesus not being a one and done, then in this pattern, we can also assume that it's not just a one and done confession of Jesus that saves the soul. So if it's not one and done denial, it's not one and done confession, right? We can't confess Jesus when we're 11 and live 80 more years and not have anything to do with him and expect ourselves to be saved. And neither can we sit there and never share Jesus for that amount of time and expect salvation because that is a sin of omission. You're omitting Jesus out of your life. You're acting like, well, this is a personal thing. I'm going to put Jesus in my pocket. It's just for me. But that is not the life of a Christian, right? So it says, Peter went on to make a perpetual confession before all men as commanded by Jesus to feed a sheep. Peter is making this confession of love for God and man. And I put an example of this because Jesus said, follow me, feed my sheep. And so here's Peter acting it out. So let's read Acts 2, 14 through 16. But Peter, standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice and spoke out to them, you men of Judea and all who dwell at Jerusalem. Let this be uh, be known to you and listen to my words. For these aren't drunken, as you suppose, seeing it is only the third hour of the day. But this is what has been spoken of through the prophet Joel, because Pentecost just happened. A little longer in the discourse in Acts 2, 38 through 39, Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promises to you and to your children and to all who are far off, even as many as the Lord our God will call to himself. That would be the Gentiles too, right? And so here we have Peter fulfilling what Jesus said to do. Feed the lambs, feed the sheep, confess my love, take care of my people, right? And so he makes it good. And so I'm, 
I'm kind of focusing on Peter here for a minute because it's some really intriguing stuff. So church history holds the following story. Let me read it to you. It says, this is me talking. It says, I don't know if, the, if the, it is true or made up, but it was held as an accurate account at the time of its telling. Either way, we can still glean words of encouragement from it, even if by principle alone. The early church writer, Hexepius, provides the following account. And I wrote, we read in the Fox's Book of Martyrs that Peter, while he was in Rome, feeling persecution by the urging of the disciples, went to flee the city and at the gates he saw Jesus walking towards him. And Peter asked him, Lord, where are you going? And Jesus responded, I have come to be crucified again. With this, Peter knew he had to go back and was crucified upside down at his own request as he did not find himself worthy to be crucified in the same manner as the Lord did, right? And so what is this? That Jesus was like, Peter, you're denying me. You need to go back and stay and confess and be with the people you're sent to shepherd. Don't run, right? Even though they, everybody else tell them run. Now, this is in the Fox of Book of Martyrs. Is this a fact? I do not know. It was believed to be accurate at the time of its writing. It's church tradition. But it still presents us a beautiful word picture of the difference between Jesus, I have come to seek and save the lost. I've come to lay my doubt, my life down for many Right. And so that's what we are supposed to do. We're here to seek to save the life lost, to lay our doubt, uh, our life down for many. Right. And to do that, which is important to God and as to feed the sheep and bring the children home. So it says with this knowledge, all the disciples made a perpetual confession until death. We all must make this confession, not just once, but daily. Right. And so if we're failing, just real quick, if we're failing to make this confession to those around us and to be an influence to those in our lives and constantly present Jesus to the world, just like Peter, Jesus can forgive us of our passive denial, our sin of omission. Right. Where we get, we want to be accepted by people so we don't bring it up. People talk about homosexuality. We don't want to deal with the flex and we don't mention that it's wrong. Right. We can go on and on and on. Right. So Jesus can forgive us of that. And he wants to forgive us of that. And I, I, I encourage all of us to repent of it. OK. So Peter left us this encouragement. First Peter three fourteen through 15. It says, but even if you should suffer for righteousness sake, you are blessed. Don't fear what they fear. Neither be troubled, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, which is on the top of page five. And it says, and always be ready to give an answer to everyone who asks you a reason concerning the hope that is in you with humility and fear. Right. That's what we just read. Now it has a little more impact. This is from the guy who denied Jesus three times. And now he's like, no, always be ready. Right. It's just like when Paul says, I'm not looking for the things of the past or behind the looking to the things of the future. Paul is saying it as the man who helped kill Christians. So Peter here says, always be ready to give an answer for your faith. This is the guy that denied Jesus three times. So understand the weight of what he's saying. That's not just a, a, a passing statement. It, that's a, a statement of, a, of experience. He's like, guys, I know what it's like to deny him. And I'm telling you, always be ready. Always be ready. Right? Stand guard. Okay. Let's look at. The direct command by Jesus to all believers. Matthew 28, 16 through 20. Matthew 28, 16 through 20. But the 11 disciples went into Galilee to the mountains where Jesus had sent them. When they saw him, they bowed down to him, but some doubted. Jesus came to them and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on the earth. Now in verse 19. Okay, this is a direct command. Go and make disciples of all nations, Jew or Gentile, 
baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things I have commanded you. Behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. So I wrote, this is a direct command from Jesus to not obey is to fall into sin and rebellion. Without repentance, then you have no hope of salvation. You cannot repent of this sin without sharing the gospel. If you are not obeying Jesus by sharing the gospel, you are in sin. That's it. Now, we all have different ways, different means, different opportunities, right? But we all have to be in our lane doing our things to spread the gospel. You cannot repent of this sin unless you start sharing the gospel again. Okay? So, that would make it easy enough for us. But here we have it's something even better, right? And so, we're going to kind of uh, make some connections to some previous Bible studies. Okay? So, let's go. It says, let us connect it to the Bible study, the heart of God. James 5, 19 through 20. It says, brothers, if any among you wanders from the truth and someone turns him back, let him know that he who turns a sinner from the error of his ways will save a soul from death and recover a multitude of sins. It says, we cannot ignore people's salvation status as and say we love them. To ignore a person's salvation is to hate that individual. It is not love to ignore where people are going for eternity. Either they're going to go to hell and burn up and cease to exist, or they're going to be with God. Right? So we cannot say, I love my neighbor, I love my coworker, I love my boss, I love my children, I love my uncles, I love anybody, if we're not trying to save their souls. Now there's different tactics, there's different techniques, but it always has to be the primary goal. Our motivation is to bring salvation to these people, to make a connection to a, a, a lost child, to a godly father that wants to love them. Right? We have to do it. So Romans 10, 13 through 15 says, For whoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on him who they have not believed? And how will they believe on him who they have not heard? And how will they hear Without a preacher, without someone sharing the gospel, without someone giving the testimony of the truth. And how will they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news of, or the gospel, who bring glad tidings of good things, right? So how will they hear without someone willing to say something? Like I have purposely, like, I don't know if you want to call it sabotage, but like there's times that like people were going to donate money, I felt like to the ministry. But then we got into a conversation and I knew if I told them the truth, it was going to turn them away and they were not going to donate. Mm -hmm. But I had to tell them the truth because I might be the only person that will ever do it. And then how am I going to look at God and go, well, God, I got 50 bucks, but they're going to hell. Mm -hmm. I feel great. Yay me. For 50 bucks. Right. No, it doesn't work that way. Right. First and foremost, if it offends, it offends. If it ruins relationships, it ruins relationships. Because guess what? You guys might be the only people that ever can reach certain people that are close enough to them that you can actually say something that means something. And let me give you a tip. If it makes them mad, it's because it's hitting a nerve. It's the indifference you have to worry about. It's when they're like, yeah, whatever. Then they're toast. When they get mad, that's a good sign. Because their heart's still sensitive and they know something is truthful in what you say and it offends them. And be, offending people is not the problem. People need to be offended, right? Because if they're believing lies or in the dark, they need to be offended. Don't you think salt stings, right? You're the salty earth. Don't you think light blinds the people that are in the dark? 
That's right. Right. It's going to be like, turn off the light or why are you hurting me? I'm not trying to hurt you. I'm trying to heal you. Salt can heal. Right. And so we have to be prepared, but we have to do it in the way God would have us to do and be wise, but we have to be doing. It. So let's make another connection. Our previous connection was let's connect it back to the heart of God, which we did last week, that we have to be looking up for each other and caring for each other. This week says let's make a, a connection. Uh, let's connect it back to the first Bible study a couple weeks ago, the great shaking and purification of the bride. Right. So we up to this point, we know that we have to confess. We have we if we deny, we can be restored. If we confess, we have to continue to confess. Right. We can slip out of our confession because we're told to hold tight to the confession, to hold it daily, to obey it. Right. And so we could slip out of it. Right. So it's something we work on. Right. And so the great shaking and the purification of the bride, we talked about how God is going to purify his church to burn away all the waste material, all the tin, all the scrap to get to the gold and silver. Now, OK, we're going to prove that here in a second, it is through the sharing of the gospel that is going to be done. It's in scripture. So let's look. Acts 14, 21 through 22, it says, When they had preached the good news to that city and had made many disciples, they returned to Lystra, Arconium, and Antioch, and strengthening the souls of the disciples, exhorting them to continue in faith, and that through many afflictions we must enter into God's kingdom. Through many afflictions, Jesus said, All who live righteously will have tribulation, or basically they have tribulation, and later it says, All who live godly will suffer persecution, right? And so in the Gospels, or past the Gospels, New Testament. And so we have to understand, we're told that we're going to have persecution. We're going to have tribulations. It's a guarantee. Here it says, through many afflictions, we must enter the kingdom of heaven, right? Okay, so let's look at Daniel 12, 9 through 10. He said again, go your way, Daniel, for the words are shut up and sealed until the time of the end. That's our time. It says, many will purify themselves and make themselves white and be refined. Keep that in mind. Time in the end, purified, they will make themselves purified and white and be refined. But the wicked will do wickedly and none of the wicked will understand, but those who are wise will understand. Right? So keep that in mind. That verse right there. Time in the end, people will be purified, they'll be made white, and they'll be refined. So let's look at top of page six and we're going to bring it all together. I said, it is through the service of sharing the gospel of God that the body of Christ will be purified and made white. So Daniel 11, 32 through 35. He will corrupt those who do wickedly against the covenant by flatteries. Talking about prophecy and time and stuff. But the people who know their God will be strong and take action. What action is this? This isn't like we're going to go build a building. We're going to go mow the yard. There's only one action that matters to God, and that is being in his service, sharing the gospel. That's it. Okay? Now, we have responsibilities our families that God cares about, but the primary action we're talking here, you can take care of your families and forget about God. Okay? 33. Those who are wise among the people will instruct many in what? The gospel, the truth, the Bible, Yahweh, Jesus. Right. Yet they will fall by the sword and by flame. They're going to be killed. Mm -hmm. by captivity and plunder many days. So those who believe at the end time will refine themselves, make themselves right and be prepared by taking action, instructing many and will be killed for it. This is not happiness, right? We're not like, yay, death, right? But at the same time, this is the plan. This is what Jesus did. Are you better than Jesus? Am I better than Jesus? 
No, none of us are, right? So if we do, like I said, I think it's in First John, talked about that we, if we follow Jesus, we must do what he is doing or has done, all right? So 34, now when they fall, they will be helped with a little help, but many will join themselves to them with flatteries. Some of those who are, are wise will fall to refine them and to purify and to make them white, even to the time of the end, because it's yet for a time appointed. So these people take action, they instruct the people, and some will fall. Why are they falling? To be refined. Right? To make them white. They are going to go through suffering to make their hearts right before God. And here's my advice to everybody in the study and everybody online and all those who download around the world. It Start it today. Get involved in it now. You can judge yourself so you don't have to be judged. Involve yourself in it. Don't run for persecution. Don't run for judgment from God or correction. Embrace it because guess what? Then when the time comes, you'll have left less to burn away and you won't have to go through much, right? And now Jesus talks about pray that, you know, that we escape what is coming. And, you know, and that in the book of Revelations, it talks about how I think it's Philadelphia that will be saved from the time that is the persecution that's coming because they got it right. Right. And so we want to be that group. We want to be those people that have not ran from it. We ran into it. We embraced it. We put our arms around it. We're going, God, yes, let's do this. I'm down with the process. Let's make it happen. Refine me now so I don't have to burn with everybody else later. That's my philosophy, right? So Malachi 3, 16 through 18, on that day, I will make them a, my special possession. I will spare them as a man spares his own one son who serves him. Then you will again see the difference between the righteous people. Okay, they've got two groups and the wicked. And he, he gives the caveat hmm. between those who serve God and those who do, who doesn't serve God or serve him. Right. So the righteous are those who serve God. The wicked are those who don't. That's not a big leap. That's easy to understand. How are they serving God? They're not flipping burgers, right? They're sharing the gospel, obviously, right? They're being light. They're being salt. They're not hiding themselves under the basket of conformity and, and ease and excess in our culture. Or necessity to, well, I got to pay my bills. I got to do this. I get, No, that is not your job. Your job is to get out there and work. It's God's job to take care of you. That's the job. That's the paradigm. But now we're going like, well, God can go do the work. God will take care of it. God will take care of you. God will do that. And I will go worry about myself. Right? We got it flipped. It is God who takes care of us as we take care of his business. Right? So let's read the next one. Daniel 12, 1, 2, 3. But at that time, your people, everyone written in the book, will be rescued. Many sleeping in the ground will wake up. Some will wake up to live forever. Those who are wise will shine like the brightness on their horizons. Those who lead many people to righteousness will shine like the stars forever and ever. Right? right. So who are the righteous ones? Those who serve God. Who are the ones that are, are shining bright like the sun? Those who lead people back to righteousness. That's right. So uh, we could end this Bible study here. We don't have to. I'm not going to because I got some more things to say. But let's be honest here. This is enough to convict me that my confession of Jesus isn't just a one and done. That salvation is a perpetual confession before God and man for my entire life without fail every day of my life always being ready. Period. Right? Yeah. 
And so, the easy believism church, easy, uh, what do they call it? Seeker-friendly churches, you know, like, oh, God's got it. Grace is enough. The blood is enough. You're trying to add Jesus plus one. No, I'm asking the Jesus of the Bible who says this is what you're supposed to be doing. They're taking Jesus and subtracting everything he requires of his people, which is a sin. They're, they're selling a fake Jesus. So let's read here. All right. So I got two verses. I put the CE version, CEV version and the KGV version, <laughs> right? So the need to share salvation to receive salvation, Romans 10, 9 through 11, CEV, right? It says, Jesus is Lord. And if you believe with all your heart that God raised him from death, God will accept you and save you if you truly believe this and tell it to others. <laughs> the scriptures say that no one who has faith will be disappointed. I like that verse. That's exactly what it means. Let's read what it says in King James. King James 10.10 10 says, For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Even in that, who is the confession made to? Humanity. Right? That's why when we have people come to Christ, they come before the church. They stand up. They're accepted in. We baptize them in front of the church. Right? Because it's a public confession, not a private one. Now, you might be in a situation right now around the world where you're surrounded by evilness and you're going to make a confession. But here's what I found in all the books I read about martyrdom. And I read a daily devotional on martyrdom. That people who are truly accepted Jesus can't keep their mouth shut. That's right. People who really love him, who they've really entered into their heart, they can't help themselves. It's like a burning fire that can't help but get out. That's right. And so why you have to be wise and follow the guidance of the Holy Spirit, it has to come out at some point. It has to manifest. It has to be your driving fuel in your life to why you live, breathe, and exist. It is the duty of all Christians, not just the preacher. Not just the pastor, not just the evangelist, everyone, no matter your part in the body, you're either helping or you're doing it. Like my wife, she's like, I can never do street preaching, but she does it in other ways. She doesn't have to do what I do. Nobody has to do what I do, but you have to find the way God wants you doing it. Right. And so I'm not trying to bring false conviction on people to say everybody has to be a street preacher. Nope, not saying that. But everybody has to be open about their faith. Everybody has to be bold around those they know. Everyone has to find a way to do their part, right? So I put, the question is, is it a one-time confession or a perpetual confession? If it is a perpetual confession, then the CEV version is made clear and correct. Also, is this just a personal confession or a corporate confession to others? Obviously, it's a corporate confession. We have to tell the world we're the light, right? Okay. So here we go. I'm going to read a verse and then we're going to hammer it down some more. It says, 1 John 4, 12 through 15. says, no one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God remains in us and his love has been perfected in us. By this we know that we remain in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit. We have seen and testify that the father has sent the son as the savior of the world. Whoever confesses. That Jesus is the son of God. God remains in him and he in God. So we testify. We confess, right? So we're kind of ratcheting it up. We're kind of connecting the two. That our testimony, right, is important. Now, funny thing about testimony, back in the day, 
when you gave your testimony, you'd grab your testicles. And I'm not joking. As commitment that if you're lying, they could cut them off. Whoa. So when you testify, you're really putting it out there that this is absolutely truth. This is what I know. And I'm willing to lose body parts, very sensitive ones, if I am wrong. Okay. That's the testify, testimony, right? And confess. So. We are here, if we have seen and testified that the Father has sent the Son as the Savior of the world, whoever confesses this, right, that Jesus is the Son of God, God remains in him and he in God. Okay, so let's look at something. It says, the Holy Spirit is here to testify about Jesus. John 15, 26 to 27. When the Counselor has come, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify about me. You will also testify because you have been with me from the beginning so if the holy spirit is here to testify and jesus said you will testify too that means you have to be like hey guys yeah i know something you need to know this right so let's lay it down a little thicker top of page seven it says we are the temple of the holy spirit first corinthians 6 19 through 20. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have, have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. So, question. If the Spirit has been sent to testify of Jesus, and you are, are that temple, filled with the very same Spirit, how then can you say, as a believer, as a believer, act like a deaf mute and not testify to the world? If the Holy Spirit has been sent to testify about God and Jesus, and you are the temple of that Holy Spirit, how can you disconnect the two and say, God will do the work? What, what, what are you, a garage where the Holy Spirit comes back and parks for the night? I mean, no. Come on. Like, sorry, see you tonight. You know, kiss the kids. You know, I mean, no, you are the temple of God. The same spirit that Jesus set up here. He will testify about me. You will also testify mm -hmm. because he's in you. That's why you have to testify. You are the vessel, right? The Bible calls it the foolishness of preaching. How can they hear if they don't have a preacher? Well, the preacher has to have the Holy Spirit. So when it comes out, it is God reaching out like in this Bible study to you guys and those online and people in the future that hear this Bible study to convince them that, listen, you have to get involved. You have to be bringing up God and Jesus. You have to bring up his faith, his salvation he's given you, the times he answers prayers. I mean, find a way, but you have to do it. Right. All right, it says, Declared the sacred truth of Jesus before all. 1 Timothy 6, 12. It says, Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of eternal life to which you were called, and you confess the good confession in the sight of many witnesses. Right? So our confession is not just, Hey, Paul, yeah, I believe in Jesus. Don't tell no one. I'm good. Right? It doesn't work that way. Right? We're, we are called to be walking billboards of Jesus, walking billboards of Christ. And let me ask you guys, if you guys don't do it, who's going to do it? Let's be honest. If every Christian who claims to be Christian would just put one thing about Jesus on their car, like, accept Jesus today. He loves you and he'll forgive you. Mm -hmm. Can you imagine the testimony that would bring? But what do Christians, I've had Christians who were bold Christians, quote unquote, who refused to put Christian stuff on their car. They didn't want to be targeted. Really? What do you fear? Fear man or you fear God? 
Jesus said, fear God. He can throw you into hell. Right? That's the problem, isn't it? We have to be bold. We have to look at every opportunity. Look at me. I'm a walking billboard. And I'm not the perfect example of anything. I wear my name tag. I wear the shirts on my car. Put on my helmet on my motorcycle. I mean, I, I, if Jesus came back through the clouds, I want him to go. He obviously knows me because he's got Jesus all over himself. You know, and he, he does obey me. So he's good. The rest of them, I don't know. Right? I mean, it's like that saying, is there enough proof in the court of law to convict you of being a Christian? That's right. Like, is there enough eyewitness testimony in your life that people can go, they're definitely a Christian. I've seen so-and-so tell the truth at their own expense. I've seen them pray for other people. I've seen that offer help in existence in Jesus' name. I know for sure so-and-so is a Christian, convicted. If there's not, if you have to sit there and wonder, well, who could I get in a room to prove that I'm a Christian today? And would they truly testify that they actually believe I'm an honest Christian? Right? All right. More than just a confession. So now that we got the confession part, we I want to kind of, I could have gone to just like go into this works thing, but no, I'm going to go into like fake confession. Right? And that's what this is what we're looking at here. It's not very long, but some fake confession. People who say they know Jesus, but they don't. To prove that it's not just a confession that matters God is looking at your actions and what you're doing with your life, okay? So, Matthew 21, 28 through 31. But what do you think? A man who has two sons, and he came to the first and said, Son, go work at today in my vineyard. 29, he answered and said, I will not. But afterwards, he changed his mind and went. Verse 30, he came to the second son and said the same thing. He answered, I'm going, sir, but he didn't go. Liar. 31, which of the two did the will of his father? They said to him, the first, Jesus said to them, most certainly I tell you that the tax collector and the prostitutes are entering the God's kingdom before you. Right? So one said, I'm on it. Yeah. And then went back to bed. The other one was like, no, I don't want to. He's like, I thought better of it. I better get, get to work. Right? So the confession matters, but the action matters more. Right? Because you can confess all the day, but if you're not, if your actions aren't following suit, then it's an empty, hollow confession. So, I put, it's not just a confession, it's a lifestyle, right? So, here's a bunch of verses of God smacking down people for saying they love me and they want me, but blah, 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 it's nothing, right? Titus 1, 15 through 16. To the pure, all things are pure, but to those who are defiled and unbelieving, nothing is pure, but both their mind and their conscience are defiled. They profess they know God. They made a confession. But by their deeds, they deny him. Being abominable, disobedient, unfit for any good work. What work is that? The sharing of the gospel. Right? Being a light in the world. So they profess they know God. I made a confession. Yeah, 16 years ago on the 4th of July, I got baptized. And that was the end of it. Right? And so, like, I handed out postcards once to his lady. She goes, oh, I used to do this. Used to. Used to, used to, used to, what, you stopped loving God? You don't, you don't find it fruitful anymore. Used to, I don't understand used to. I, I, I used to talk about Jesus. Well, you had a problem. You need, con, you need conviction. You need to repent of that and get back to doing. Right? All right. So Isaiah 29, 13 through 16. The Lord said, because this people draws near with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but they have removed their hearts far from me. And their fear of me is a commandment of men which has been taught 
Therefore, behold, I will proceed to do a marvelous work among this people, even a marvelous work in a wonder, uh, in a wonder. And the wisdom of the wise men will perish, and the understanding of the prudent men will be hidden. Woe to those who deeply hide their counsel from Yahweh, whose deeds are in the dark, and who say, Who sees us and who knows us? You turn things upside down. Should the potter be thought to be like the clay? Pause. Jesus says, I have molded you. You do not mold me. You don't get to tell me how I'm going to act. You don't get to tell me what you say love is. You don't get to determine the right path. I, you're the clay. I'm the potter. You obey me. And that's what he's saying there. It's like because of this, you guys are getting it. Because you're trying to mold me into your image. You're not allowing yourself to be molded into mine. That's what he's saying. Okay? That the thing made should say about him who made it, he didn't make me. Or the thing formed of him who formed it, he has no understanding. Right? So that because these people draw near with their mouth and honor me with their lips, so I have removed their hearts far from me. Lip service. It doesn't mean nothing to God. You have a confession of faith. Now you need to get an action of faith. Faith without works is dead. James 2.18, show me your faith without your works. I'll show you my faith by my works. It's my favorite verse in the Bible. And I believe 19, if you want extra, but yeah, James 2.18. Matthew 15, 7 through 9. Jesus says, hypocrites, well did Isaiah prophesy of you. This people draw near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. And he adds another thing, but in vain they worship me, teaching from doctrines the commandments of men. So your confession means nothing to God and your worship means nothing to God unless your actions start lining up. Right? And that, that work we talked about in Daniel, they got to work and brought people to righteousness. And those who bring people to righteousness shine like the sun. That's a literal shining. God shines so bright we can't even look at him. But in the all eternity, you will shine like the sun for all eternity. Your righteousness that God has put upon you will shine. What you have done and your rewards for your works will shine. Okay? Ezekiel 33, 31 through 32. They come, they come to you as the people who come and they sit before you as my people and they hear your word, but they don't do them. For with their mouth, they show them much love, but their hearts go after their gain, right? So let me read that again. For with their mouth, they show much love. Oh, I love the Lord. How they do on TBN and stuff like that. Oh yeah. You guys obeying God? You're keeping his commandments. You're doing what he's telling you to do. No, then you're a liar. The Bible calls you a liar. I'm not having to tell you you're a liar. The Bible is calling you a liar. I might be pointing out the scripture in which it calls you a liar, but that's like me po uh, pointing out to you know, the, the laws of driving a car. You can't run through stop signs. You're a rule breaker. It's not my fault. You're the one that broke the law. I'm pointing out the law. You're getting mad at me because I point out the law. All right? Not my fault. The law convicts you. God convicts you in the Bible, right? 32, behold, you are to them as very lovely song of one who has pleasant voice and can play well an instrument for they hear your words, but they do not do them, right? And what do we have up there? Jesus, the gospel commission, preach the gospel to all the nations, teaching them to obey all that I command you, right? Second Timothy 3, 1 through 5. But know this, that in the last days, grievous times will come, for men will be lovers of self, lovers of money, 
boastful, arrogant, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, unforgiving slanderers, without self-control, fierce, not lovers of God, traitors, headstrong, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, holding a form of godliness, but having denied its power. Turn away from these also. Right? So these people that say they love God, they say they love Jesus, but nothing in their life would convict them of being a Christian. So their confession is trash. It's empty. It's pointless. It's meaningless. God doesn't care. He wants your life. He doesn't just want words out your mouth. He wants your life. And that's what we all have to give him. I do. My children, my wife, my family, everybody I know. And that's my goal is to get everyone there. So when I get to heaven and I look at God, God can go, yes, Lance, I know you tried. And you did not stop confessing me until the time of the end. Right? So I wrote, there are many ways to share the gospel. And we all have different offices, styles, and opportunities within the body of Christ. Yet we all must actively be a part of spreading the gospel in whatever way Jesus has called us to. Then we must always be about our own personal mission work to friends family, and those we know. If we ever have friends, family, and business associates that go days or months without knowing we are Christians and faithful followers of Jesus, then we have failed. We have failed. We have failed. That is a failure. Repent of it. Or our light has become dim and our salt has lost its seasoning. Our first and foremost responsibility, with no exception, is to share the love of God and reach a dying world with His grace we have failed if we ever let anything at all, with no exceptions, get in the way of this most sacred work. And I wrote, let us all repent of the silent sin of omission, omitting Jesus out of our lives. Let our light shine. Listen, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Let it shine. Let it shine. Let it shine. Their world is darkness. I want you to know it is a literal thing that when God looks upon the earth, he sees his children as lights. And, and I, to prove this even farther, in the demonic realm and witchcraft and stuff, they see Christians as lights. Like I watched this one missionary, uh, I think it's Global Vision, and he was going around being missionary. And this guy who was a witch doctor said he saw him coming because the light shone around him before he even got there. That's why it's hard sometimes for people in the demonic realm to look at Christians because the light hurts their eyes, spiritual eyes. So when Jesus says you are the light of the world, that's a literal light. We're thinking, oh, no, it's just, you know, pretty speech. No, you are literally the light of the world. Because why? Because God, who has come, all good things come down from the Father's lights, right? Our God is a consuming fire. The, his Holy Spirit is in you. Do you think somehow that Holy Spirit gets dark and dim once it enters into you as the temple? Right? When God blessed the temple when Solomon made it, his presence showed greatly. It got so bright that the, the priest couldn't even go in. How much more you with a better covenant with the better purchase price of the blood of Jesus? That light is in you. But what one to us if we sit there and we try to hide it from everybody? I mean, how ridiculous is that? Trying to be like the world. Right. Right. It'd be like, you know, somebody donating to this ministry at a very important and, and proper time and doing something great for us and our family. And then I turn around and ignore them and act like I don't know them. Mm 
That would be an evil. Even if everybody in the world hated them, I would not deny them as my friend. So Jesus saves our soul. And then we get quiet and tight-lipped about it because we just want people to like us. That is a gross error. And it needs to be repented of. So for this day forth, I encourage everyone in this group, find ways. Easy. Praise God. Praise Jesus. Throw that one out to somebody sometimes. Something good happens. They praise God. Praise Jesus. You know, or tonight when I'm praying, I'll ask Jesus to help you with that. There's, I mean, you can slip it in in any other way. Or I was reading my Bible and tell them what you're in. I mean, there's, it's not hard. I have talked to enough people on the street that, you know, there is still some respect in our country for God and Jesus. But the body of Christ is so timid about it. They're like, uh, can I maybe please talk to you? Oh, you don't want to talk about you? I'm, so, I'm sorry. I don't mean to offend you. Spirit of persecution. Right. Uh, 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 well, yeah. Right, let me ask you a question. If you, if a salesman walks up to you and wants to sell you a car and he goes, well, uh, I, this might, I don't know if you want this car. I don't mean to do intrude. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, are you going to buy that car? You're like, you don't even believe in the car. <laughs> Why would I want the car? You're not even convinced by it's the same thing with the gospel. If you can't be bold and on fire, like this is it. Yeah. Product review. Jesus is number one. That's right. If you're not that way, then don't ever expect other people to be persuaded by your light. Right. That makes sense. Right. That's right. That's right. So we have to understand that our boldness is what people can't compete with. But if we go in with doubt and be like, oh, please, will you? Oh, no. We got the God of the universe right here inside. Holy Spirit. Right? Being renewed in the spirit of our minds. Holy Spirit. Giving us words to speak. Holy Spirit. Right? That's right. And we have the words of truth and life. We have gotten to know Jesus that was hidden for 4,000 years from the creation. Because the Bible says Jesus was the lamb slain at the beginning of time. The very foundation. And here we are, 2,000 years after Jesus, we have known Jesus, we have the scriptures, we have no excuse. So the prophecy opened up to us, we have everything in front of us. You're right. It's going to happen. Right. So let's read the last one and we'll pray. Revelation 22, 12 through 14. It says, Behold, I come quickly, my reward is with me to repay to each man according to his confession. Nope. According to his faith. Nope. According to his work. To his deeds. Right. Deeds, works, whatever you want to call it. And he says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and last, beginning and Blessed are those who do his commandments, then may have the right to the tree of life and may enter in by the gates into the city. Now, Jesus gave a commandment, love each other. Jesus gave the commandment, preach the gospel. Jesus gave his commandment, as often you do this, Jesus remembers me. There's others. Right. So we got the 10 and then we got some more. Right. And people are like, Lance, that's works. Yep. Okay. You, you were saved to work. The Bible says you're saved not by works, but by grace, lest any man should boast to fulfill the good works predestined for you. Right. right? So anyways, please share the gospel. Please be a light. Please be open about your faith. Do not hide it. Let everybody know and continue to do the work because one day you're going to be repaid. One day Jesus and God can be proud of you and say, I know them. They know me, Father. But what would do a Christian that gets to head before judgment and, and they're like, I know Jesus. And Jesus goes, I don't know them. Mm -hmm. No, we've never had a relationship. That's one of the scariest scriptures I've ever 
Right. And it's happening in the church because of fake Jesus. Mm -hmm. Anyways, let's pray. Daniel. Dear Father, we praise you. We glorify you. Thank you for helping us understand that as the temple of the Holy Spirit, who is sent here to testify to you, to the world, that it is through us that you operate through your body and that our confession is a perpetual confession, once to salvation, two, to help the others receive salvation and bring your children home. And so help us to never deny you through meeting you through our speech, taking you out of our, 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 our talks with people, hiding our convictions about sin in this life, and always be bold in front of everyone we know, Father, so we can say we have never denied you in any way and that you will not deny us. So we praise you, we thank you, and we love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 If you feel so led of the Lord and want to know how to donate to this ministry outreach, please visit brotherlance.com and scroll down to the bottom of the main page for the PayPal link. Thank you. And may God's blessing rest upon you. BrotherLance.com